Super Yacht Radio, making you feel good all, all day, day long. long. And welcome to Super Yacht Radio, welcome to the crew mess, and we have the pleasure of being joined today by, I believe, actually one of our very first he guests. He was our first guest. He was our first guest. Uh, there you go, our first guest on the station, and uh, although not in person and in the station with us, um, because he's down in Australia. He's keeping a polite social distance. <laughs> Captain Guy Fraser, it is lovely to have you back. Well, it's a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. It's uh, not in Mallorca. I'm sitting in Cairns, Australia, but it's fantastic that we have this opportunity to uh, to have another chat. So, and you, you were, you're on a boat in, in Cairns? Yes, that's it. Yeah, I, uh, As the whole world turned upside down during the COVID-19 virus, uh, I stepped off the plane and Singapore on the 5th of February uh, with intentions of a guest trip to Borneo and adventures all over the planet. Uh, of course, at that time, Singapore, who had handled the beginning of this coronavirus very well, I felt safe there. They had seven reported cases. They'd shut down travel to China, but the whole world didn't really know what was happening at that point. Um, no. I it would, didn't take long. For we, to, we did not yeah, see it coming you know, 5th of February, no. we knew it was in Asia, but we did not see it coming so rapidly or away or what mm. would happen over the past three months. There were happy times. <laughs> Ignorant yeah, bliss. Yeah. Well, Singapore, yeah. Singapore, I mean, they, they realized straight away and shut the border and the travel to China during Chinese New Year. So they contained the travel from the east and from China straight away. And, and uh, I mean, even when I arrived on the on the 7th of February, everybody was taking temperatures, they were controlling everything, they took it super seriously. So being there, I felt quite safe and everybody was saying, oh, what are you doing in Singapore? You've got to leave, you've got to leave. And I was thinking, no, I think Singapore is the place I would probably want to be. You know, it's a wealthy country, it's 4 million people, it's an island, it's, it's, a, it's a city island country, I mean, very regulated, very controlled. I thought, they, you know, this is probably where I would want to be during this. And they, they did handle it very well. Then, what they didn't do is stop the travel from Western Europe. So what happened was when they were going or bumping along at getting, you know, one or two cases a day. And even when we left, like in March, they were still only up to 200 cases. Uh, but then again, what happened was once, once the virus started coming in, not from the East, but from the West, Singaporeans were allowed to travel to Europe and come back. Then they brought it back. So it's quite incredible the way that it just went around. And Cycled around. And were they doing a lot of testing or were they keeping it based on temperature yeah. testing? How did they kind no. of pick up the cases? Yeah, the only testing that they were doing then, and I was really impressed, was everybody was taking temperatures. Like the yacht club, the, anywhere you went, if you, you know, if you stepped out of a taxi and walked into a building or if you went to a supermarket a pharmacy. I mean, because Singapore was up and running, you know, everybody was open, but everybody was taking temperatures and there were, they did say, okay, travel was down. Uh, the one thing that happened, I think when, when Singapore locked down and said no travel from China, what had happened is a large percentage of the students at the Singapore universities are Chinese. So they all went home for New Year's, but none of them came back. So the universities were, were sitting uh, and they and they turned the dormitories into hospital. Like um, it was really like they were really they were really ahead of the, the game, you know, thinking forward, right? And uh, so Singapore was quiet. It was incredible because tourism had shut down. 
the you know you could still go shopping and you could still go you know Universal Studios and things, but it was a ghost town. Singapore was quiet, super quiet. Um, Sounds lovely. And then again, it just it took time. Eventually, eventually it came around, and then and then the virus picked up in Singapore. And out of interest, I, do you know what it's like now? They've kind of done the yes, the yeah. cycle. Yeah, one of the captains that is on a yacht there now at the Republic of Singapore Yacht Club, that's where we were. Um, he's still there. Um, he's on the boat. They have, they've pretty much locked down Singapore. He's allowed, they are allowed off the yacht into the yacht club facility. They can exercise and walk around. Um, although everything shut down, like there's no shopping, no, like the yacht agents are not even allowed, you know, to go get a haircut. So Singapore clamped, really clamped down. And the boats that came in, after a certain date, we're not even allowed off of the yacht. So there was there's yachts that are sitting there, the crew stuck on board. They can't even get off the yachts. Now, a few of those yachts are, are leaving or are planning to leave now, and they're going back to Barcelona because uh, Spain has opened up the ports for Tarragona, Barcelona, mm -hmm. Valencia. So they're actually going all the way back and then coming back into the Med. So um, that's interesting. And then mm -hmm. I, I imagine the Balearics are still shut to... Only yacht traffic that are coming in. Well, actually, we have guests coming in this afternoon from um, uh, a lawyer to help kind of uh, not, clarify. Not, phys not physically coming in. Not physically coming in, but coming in uh, and chatting on the station. One to help clarify, there's sort of four or five different phases that we're going through yes. uh, until the end of June. They're very they're very clear not to put, even though there's dates on them. So as of the 8th of June, uh, charters will be allowed again in the Balearics. Um, they're still very cautious of putting specific uh, um, and, and no go back dates because they're like, you know, it just depends. Pro providing that the numbers stay down and everything looks good then we'll continue to proceed. But if the numbers come back up, we may need to do this differently. And not everywhere in Spain is the same. So we're at phase one here, which means shops are starting to open with social distancing and whatever. However, in Barcelona, they're still at phase zero. So it's still pretty, pretty quiet and closed down. Although you can now go out for exercise within certain times. Yeah, I've been following it. I know I've got friends in Barcelona and, and you know, friends in, in Mallorca, so I've been watching it. And it seems to be kind of a, a template everybody's following is this phase zero, phase one, phase two, phase three. And I draw a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between Cannes here in northern Queensland and Mallorca, meaning it's 100% international tourist base. They want to get, you know, everything up and running. But again, they can't allow people into, the, into northern Queensland. Like Mallorca, they're not allowing anybody in. So... Again, it's it's very similar in that uh, Cannes is going through the similar thing, phase zero to phase one, uh, much the same as, as Mallorca. And uh, I think it's a long, long way off. I think even here in, in Cannes, the, the the local tourism can support a, a minor part of the you know of the tourist sector, but it's not going to. I mean, they, they this this you know they depend on international mm -hmm. tourism. Because they've got all of the, you know, these the support for the Great Barrier Reef. They've got helicopters. They've got, 
you know, dive platforms. They've got, you know, there's usually a thousand people a day going in and out of this marina. And now there's like, if it's local tourism, there'll be like, what, a hundred people? I mean, there's no way it's going to support it. And I would, I would imagine Mallorca is the same at the moment. You know, that yeah. it's very, 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 very difficult. Yeah. Although I, I did read, for example, like the hotels are like, you know what, we don't want to open up until international tourism can come back in because what's the point kind of you know even though they think well, there's, yeah, there's, there's two sides to it one is a what's the point but the other is if there's an outbreak in your hotel you get that badge and then oh yeah you know yeah. and nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be the first one about yeah we two were, months of lockdown and then yeah. you're the first hotel to get we were the center of that outbreak that's <laughs> such good advertising for us so i think there's a you know, bit afraid about that as well. Well, and and the other question here in Mallorca is, you know, what when they do allow international travel, what countries would they allow in first? So I did read that they were discussing between Germany, Italy, Spain, and France to have a easier passage of people between those four countries. Um, however, the UK, for example, is outside at the Saint-Jean and they had a slower lockdown than, say, we did in France or Spain. So possibly there'd be more caution in allowing people in from the UK. Would well, they basically put them into Magaluf and, and lock it down or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Two questions. So of the whole lockdown thing, uh, probably the, the, the bit that I'm finding very difficult to deal with is in the coming out of lockdown and I wanted to ask you, because you've got lots of experience, have you ever heard of a phase zero before? No, I mean, that, I mean, everything that's happening now is, I think, is new to everyone, okay? I mean, there's phase zero is like... It's just okay, as a term. A as a term, I've never heard yeah. of a phase zero. That's yeah, a, I find that let's difficult. Let's make a plan. You but, know, being... Yeah, it's interesting. The, um, <laughs> sorry, it's one of my pet peeves. Um, from the yacht's perspective, the owner and guests, are you expecting to have any um, activity on the boat soon? Or, or what's how's the well, owner I, of the boat? I, I would imagine Australia is a little bit like Majorca. It has the advantage that, A, it takes quite a while for people to get in there. But B, it did sound like they were being very rigorous to anyone coming in. And it is quite a rigorous system, even in a natural sense, without this all going on. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, over here, I, I've spent quite a bit of time in the South Pacific over the last, you know, four years. And, 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 the, and it's definitely picking up in Australia. The super yacht uh, industry here is really changing a lot. And um yeah, coming into coming into Cannes, it was instrumental. I mean, you know, we had a we had a very good agent working with us in Singapore. Singapore yachting is Fang, mm -hmm. and he was able to coordinate us in and out fuel into the shipyard, out of the shipyard, and then we made a run for it to get to Cannes. And we had to run three thousand seven hundred nautical miles. It took us sixteen days, and we literally the day that we were clearing out of Langkawi, Malaysia, we picked up two guests. The day we cleared out, um, the co-captain, Grant Keenan, he's Australian. At the same time we were clearing out, he launched our small vessel arrival to Australia, to Darwin. Yeah, and, and, our, and our agent, Kerry Carter, that's Carter Marine mm -hmm. Agency, 
and her assistant Tina were in the background the whole time. So we didn't really know, like, where are we going to go? I mean, we were we kind of got backed into a corner with nowhere to go because we left Singapore, we were in Malaysia, and then suddenly all the countries were shutting down. And what and was out of interest? The day that we, yeah. What was Malaysia yeah. like? I mean, you headed from Singapore, was, you were heading to Malaysia. What was their situation? Singapore's at the bottom of Malaysia. Yeah, we we got into Langkawi. Yeah, we got to Langkawi because we had guests coming in because we had you know we were still looking at what you know trying to figure out where we were going to go cruising and Langkawi, Malaysia, Thailand was still open. Uh, we anchored off of the Langkawi Yacht Club. Uh, we made the choice not to go on to the dock because we thought let's just stay at anchor; it's safer for us. And then uh, when our guests came in, like everything just shut down. Like we had planned to go to Anambas Islands on our way to. Borneo, but the agents started sending me messages going, look, Anambas is closed, Borneo is closed, you know, so then we said, okay, that's it, now we're not going anywhere, where are we going to put the boat where it's going to be safe till we ride this thing out, and um, so luckily our uh, Grant, he got our, our small craft arrival in the day we checked out of Malaysia, and the agent called me when we were leaving, and he said, look, they just closed the border to Malaysia, you can't come back here, we thought, okay, now this is really interesting. Uh, <laughs> Thailand was still open. We contacted, we contacted Adam Frost, and that was just 100 miles up the coast. We'd done our paperwork for visas for the crew to get to Australia, and we had launched our small craft arrival within 12 hours of closing the border. And luckily, we made it. We, we, we start off of Phuket and 12 miles offshore in international waters, we got a call from the agent saying Border Force had received our application. And as far as they were concerned, we were at sea underway and we made it. Wow. But it wasn't even, um, can I just add from the little bit you told me of the adventure, it wasn't exactly um, smooth sailing because there was also the typhoon that hit Manatu at the same time during your journey down. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were very lucky. I mean, there was a number of yachts, and everybody was keeping in touch with everybody. And and uh, one of the one of the um, there was a it's called the COVID nineteen yacht help uh, WhatsApp group that that was set up. Very helpful information was being is, is still being posted on that group, um, giving like up to date information on you know what 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 yachts are experiencing. You know you know who, who's who's able to get in who's able to get out how are we transferring crew around so um that that's that was a, a very you know helpful tool to have we also had um a good weather routing bruce um, buckley he's he's the weatherman down in perth uh, western australia so he was keeping an eye on on things and the cyclone herald actually picked up just as we were coming into the gulf of carpentaria uh, luckily, it shifted north, and we got in underneath it, and then got into Cairns just before it moved off, and then it actually took up Vanuatu. So, you know, the, I guess today with communications, it's it's really helpful to see. You know, you know, you can avoid you know situations, and with it's quite incredible with technology and communications today what we what we can do. Mm. And out of interest. Um I'm I'm just sort of wondering of uh, as a because we've had chats with different crew and, and captains. Um, a lot of them were actually, you know, I stay on board. They were they were stuck on board. 
I'm wondering how um, your crew were managing in that time because you may have been heading to Australia, but there was still around the world around you was changing very rapidly oh, during yeah. your journey. And your crew presumably are international from different places, like you, your family is in Canada. Um, was it was it a little bit surreal? I mean, you you were all busy. You were sailing, which I presume is a great distraction. But um, it must have been something of a, a different journey, um, having known that you know the borders had closed behind you when you were trying to make it in before the next border closed. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, we we could see we were getting backed into the corner with no way out. And if we didn't get accepted into Australia, by then we couldn't go back to Malaysia. Thailand, Phuket was still open and we could have got into Phuket. We couldn't have gone back to Singapore because we would have had to have locked down there and not have been able to get off the boat. So no, and it was stressful on the crew. I mean, fortunately, Fidelis is a very stable boat. It's, you know, I've I've been working with the owners for 15 years. I, I was, the, you know, built the boat for them and 2011 some of the senior crew are still on board after 10 years so this is a stable boat and we you know we've always got a plan we're always going remote places so you know everybody sort of we were okay and and we just do our day-to-day job i think for a lot of crew on a stable boat a lot changes but your day-to-day routine doesn't change i mean we've been sitting sitting here in cans we just do our nine to five or eight till six or whatever we work we work do our job get the job done. The only thing is we're not socializing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for a lot of crew on a stable boat, nothing really much has changed. I mean, crew are used to isolation. It's usually at sea on long passages, but we happen to be on the dock. That's the <laughs> difference, right? But I, we do, I mean, it has been, you know, we've been in contact with other crew that have been put through some very stressful situations, mm-hmm. you know, where owners and captains have made the wrong choices. They've been telling them the wrong things, you know, um, coming up with, uh, you know, ridiculous schemes like uh, trying to force them to get off the boat or reduce their salaries and just crazy schemes. And it's just like, you know, you need to be there to support your crew and, and back them up. And, and, you know, so I've, I've heard, you know, some very, very good stories out of this and I've heard some terrible stories as well. Could I, just for clarification, Guy, um, just before the lockdown, you're in Singapore, you head up to uh, Malaysia, you stay at Anchor, you pick up guests with the expectation to go yes. to Borneo and, and around. Then suddenly yes. suddenly you're making a beeline for Australia. As a guest, do yeah. I not feel like I've just been kidnapped? <laughs> I mean, as a guest, yeah, what, what, what's going on for me? I mean, how's, what's my world suddenly like? I mean, are you checking the pantry going, okay, we have enough food for six months, we're okay? What's, oh, yeah. What happened no, with them? No, we knew. We knew before they came. We were stuck. We, you know, we, 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 had, we used the agent in... Uh, in uh, steel, the seal agent in uh, Langkawi was fantastic, and we decided, okay, let's limit ourselves ashore. We, you know, we had all the food delivered. We took fuel. We were ready to go. The guests weren't too happy the minute they stepped on board, and they said, "Oh yeah, guess what? You know, you're quarantined on board." It's like what? It's like no, you, we can't get off the boat. And it was like, oh okay. So we said, seriously? And I said, yeah, seriously, we can't get off the boat. Because at that point, I knew we had to keep records of temperatures. There were boats on the dock, and they were sitting on the dock, and some of them are still there. They haven't left. And uh, they're stuck. I mean, and there's other yachts stuck in Singapore. There's other yachts right now stuck in Thailand. So, I mean, it was we were very, very fortunate that we were able to actually get our small craft arrival notice into Australia. On We literally got it in 12 hours before they closed the border. And we, we got here. But... 
it was um, yeah for the guests it was like okay and and unfortunately we had a good trip they sailed with us down through the you know we had a, you know, Malacca Straits and the Java Sea and we saw uh, sperm whales and, and orca whales it was it was a really it was a good trip and then we got Sounds into beautiful. Cannes and Cannes wasn't totally locked down uh, so it was nice because uh, Grant or he's the Australian co-captain because he's Australian he was able to uh, charter a small boat and take the guests out in the Great Barrier Reef. So we were still kind of, you know, there was a little loophole where the Australians decided that fishing was an essential sport. So the Australians were allowed, you know, with, with small groups to go out and go fishing. So that was great. So we were able to actually get the guests, get a small boat, charter, we just chartered a little tinny tin boat with a to go big outboard engine. And they were off, yeah, yeah, they were off at Pixie Reef, you know, snorkeling and, and they had a, you know, they had a wonderful time. And then eventually, you know, they, they, they managed to get out and uh, yeah, so that was that was a bit of a surreal trip. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm sure there's um, a depending where they came from in the world, they, they could have been locked down for those in you know, a month or two. So sailing across yeah. the Pacific, seeing sperm whales, sounds like a great way to have to yeah, lock go through um, lock lockdown. Lock me down time. and throw away the key, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we you know the, it was it was we were lucky we had. Uh, you know, a good supply of food. It was a long trip. It took us 16 days to get here, um, but we managed. It was fine. You know, it was, uh, you know, just lucky to get here. And the guests were happy. They had a good trip and eventually got home. So. Well, well done. And um, now in Australia, they're starting to get to phase one. You said so. Yes. Uh, yeah. You can. Yeah. Can you now go to a? cafe and socially distance and get a coffee and what does yeah, that mean can. in and Australia? There's a lot of discussion. Yeah, you can. I mean, what they're saying is, you know, the takeaway was always open. It was only essential shopping that was open. Um, only similar rules. Um, only families from the same household uh, were allowed to move around. Uh, because we're crew living on the boat, we are categorized as a family because we all live at the same address. So we can travel in a group. Um, we were not allowed to travel more than 50 kilometers, but now uh, on, as of Friday, it'll be 150 kilometers you can travel. The cafes here will open. Um, again, similar to Mallorca, there's little coffee shops and cafes everywhere, but they've limited them to 10 people per restaurant. And the focus is still on the takeaway. And a lot of the complaints that the restaurant owners are saying is like, how can we operate a restaurant with 10 people in the restaurant? That's not even going to pay the chef's wages. Mm. So it's the same thing that, you know, I guess it's they're just, they have to make one set of rules for everybody and they cannot start making two or three different rules. So you can see what, you know, it's going to be very, very hard. Uh, you know, and, and, and again here, like on the Great Barrier Reef, they really need to get back the tourism industry, but they do know that they've got to take it very, very, very slow. The, the infrastructure here where we are now, Marlin Marina, is part of Ports North, which is government-owned. So the marina is government-owned, and they run this marina. So most of the tied up alongside us are the large, um, you know, the, the yachts. They're not yachts, but there's a few yachts here, but the commercial Australian commercially operated um, boats that take people out to the reef, the government's just said, okay, free berthage. You can just tie your boat up here. You don't have to pay for it because, you know, they, they realize that, you know, there's there's dozens of these, you know, large catamaran, you know, yachts or purpose-built um, 
diving boats that were built and have been operating up here for 20 years and they're tied to the dock and they're not moving so you can imagine the owner operators of those things are just like you know the the government's helping them saying okay tie up your boat don't pay for anything but still you know but that's it they think here in australia the small operators are going to get back on their feet early because once they go interstate then the australians who are not traveling internationally will start traveling nationally so that means they will start planning their holidays. Queensland's in a good position right now because in Sydney and southern Australia, winter's hitting, it's getting cold. So traditionally, this time of year is when there's a lot of local tourism, Australians visiting Queensland and far north Queensland because it's in the tropics. But interstate travel is still closed. So everybody here is still waiting you know, for the government to say, look, open the border. But again, the... You know, they, everybody, I think, needs to take this like one step at a time. Yeah. Well, you know, similar discussions, you know, here in Europe, and we've been catching up on a weekly basis with um, Kitty, who runs the U.S. Superyacht Association. And, you know, as, as we look at airline travel and what's going to be involved in it, and, you know, which airlines are actually going to be up and running and when, yeah. a, a lot of people are like, you know, now's the time to go back kind of like to the generation before us or possibly even two generations get your bicycle they you know they they had stay-at-home vacations you know they went to the local seaside and they supported their local economy staycation um and you know now is the time to stop and put the money back into our own economies and not have for a little while you know the same pressure of of traveling to other countries which yeah, it's a know, lovely thought here in Mallorca, but there's not that many of us, unfortunately. But um, quiet Mallorca beaches is very appealing fantastic. to those that live here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking that this is going to be a wonderful summer for the locals because there isn't going to be anybody there. And I mean, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, I, you know, when we first moved to Mallorca, that was, I mean, started sailing there. That was over 30 years ago. And I remember there was 8,000 or 8 million tourists and it was like, oh, the island's going to sink. <laughs> and then it went to 12. And then, and then it, you know, I don't know what it, it peaked over 12 million tourists on that island. It's just like this summer will be amazing, I think, for the people that live in Mallorca. I mean, unfortunately, we've moved back to British Columbia, but I, would, I can imagine that this will be quite an amazing summer in Mallorca, meaning it's going to be the locals. Yeah. Well, it'd be, be a bit weird. I was reading about um, the plans with the beaches. And of course, you'll have a, a kind of area of the beach marked off for individual you know, groups, so your family groups. And then you'll have one-way systems where you can only walk this way and walk that. And if there's too many people, you have to wait. And you have to queue up to get on the beach. And uh, Which would be lovely to actually have space on a beach and not have to you know, try to get in between... This bunch of teenagers and that, and do I sound old? <laughs> yeah, <too. laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, it'll be a, it will be, it'll be, it'll be quite a, a unique, uh, quite a unique summer for yeah. everybody. Yeah, and for yourself, I mean, the the boat presumably now is at least safe in in Cairns. I presume until they get a little bit further, possibly the end of June is sort of the timeline for Australia as well, similar to ourselves. Yeah, um, they, I think, you know, looking at their program, is I think they're really trying to hope by maybe the 15th of June to get into like their phase one and then maybe by July have interstate travel open so that then they can start getting traffic up here. 
like local traffic, but a, a lot like like the European countries, it's only going to be open to travel for Australians at the moment. And New Zealand and Australia are now talking about opening the border between New Zealand and Australia, mm -hmm. which would be good if they do that. Uh, there's a lot of um, New Zealanders that live and work in, in Australia, so they kind of got stuck between you know a rock and a hard spot because they're up in Australia, they can't leave. Um, and there's, you know, basically they're out of work, you know, so, uh, but Australia and New Zealand have a very, very good, you know, uh, trade agreement. And, mm -hmm. and they, they, I think they'll probably open the border first to Australia and New Zealand uh, once that happens. And of course, New Zealand's hosting the America's Cup. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, that's another very interesting thing, what's happening down there. I mean, they haven't canceled that yet. The Sardinia, you know, they, they, they called off the Louis Vuitton Cup in Sardinia and the UK, they shut it down. Uh, I think American Magic took a gamble and they stopped the shipment of their of their boat and it's on its way to New Zealand. And they they're sending the they're sending the boat to New Zealand, saying, "Okay, the boat's going to be there. Six of the crew from the team are from New Zealand, and wait for the government to say, okay, can the crew come or not? And then will they open the door for other crew and for the America's Cup to take off? Because you know, like the Olympics, they had they waited to the last minute to cancel that. The America's mm -hmm. Cup is kind of they're in the same position. I mean, people are, are thinking like, you know, what, what choices are going to be made? What decisions will be made here? Is, is the America's Cup going to go? It's probably far enough down the road that it's going to, and everyone's indicating that it's going to go. So, but that's another thing that's sort of playing in the background now. You know, our plan was always, before this whole thing came down, the boat was, we were supposed to go up to Japan for the Olympics, up to Russia, uh, and then from Russia across to Alaska, down, uh, San Diego and then back to New Zealand. So, of course, that tur got turned upside down. We ended up, uh, you know, we're now in Cairns. We're still looking at trying to get the boat across the Pacific. It's 8,000 miles to Alaska or to Vancouver, and we're going the wrong way across the Pacific. So, But most of the Pacific Islands are closed. Um, Tahiti's open. You can go in and out, fuel provision, but it's too far, far for us to go in one run. Uh, the Solomon Islands are closed. Vanuatu is closed. Uh, New Caledonia. So there's a, you know, um, Fiji's closed. Tonga may possibly open. They're talking about the most important thing for Tonga is the whale season that starts around the 15th of June, and uh, that's very important. So there's pressure on from tourism. The the Tonga tourism is push pressuring the government to open Tonga for whale season so they may or they may not tonga has zero cases uh they depend on the whale season so a lot of the you know infrastructure the hotels is set up it's it's quite amazing we were there last year and, and it's it's amazing that you know it's, it's where the whales come and they migrate through and, and, and it's a whale watching experience i presume yeah, oh yeah you actually you get in the water and swim with them it's absolutely amazing but again if tonga opens up then that would be our next plan I, you know, we're kind of, time's not on our side to get the boat over to Alaska or the Pacific Northwest because unless some of these islands open up, we can't provision fuel. Um, so the plan B is possibly wait for Tonga to open for the whale season, get to Tonga, and then once New Zealand decides, can we go, then head down to New Zealand. And I think there's a lot of boats. Coming, yeah. What's in Alaska? Is it just for um, a, a trip there or is there an event going on in Alaska? Uh, salmon fishing, so that, oh, salmon that would be silly me, silly me. Yeah, to get up to the Pacific Northwest, and of course, Alaska is beautiful cruising. But that, you it know, is actually, we, we had a chat with um, 
the marine association that deals with the northwest and alaska and they certainly were f feeling very positive that because particularly alaska being so far north it had been quite I isolated um from cases of covid so it, it's not having the same statistics as the rest of the u.s and they were feeling quite positive that it was going to be ready to open and, and starting to move in a shorter period of time than, for example, the rest of the U.S. Yeah, I mean, we've still got our eye on it. If we can get the boat across, I mean, we'll go. And, I, I, you know, we've been speaking to agents. I mean, British Columbia right now is closed as well. I don't think they're open. And I did read that the, the, like the cruise ship industry, they shut it down. You know, the, the inside passage up to Alaska is one of the busiest cruise ship destinations there's hundreds of cruise ships every year that go up and down, and they've 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 they've, they've said no, no cruise ships. So again, that would be another reason to be up in Alaska this summer because mm. there's not going to be anybody up there. It would be amazing. The wildlife would be would be crazy, I mean, we, you know, without those cruise ships. So, um, yeah, that would that would be if we can if we can make it across the Pacific, we're going to definitely try. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we it's just too far to run right now. I mean. We can't get down to New Zealand. We can't get out to Vanuatu. We can't get to Fiji. We can't get to those. Are all refueling, provisioning spots. We would have to get to to get to Tahiti. Once we get to Tahiti, we could sail north to Hawaii. Hawaii up to Alaska. Tahiti and Alaska are open. You can go in, get fuel, you can provision, but no change, no crew change. Um, basically, get in, get out. You know. So until the other islands open up, then. I think, uh, yeah, the boat will be staying here in Cairns until our next, uh, well, and even if they open up in Cairns, well, the Great Barrier Reef is right here, so we're mm -hmm. actually in a pretty good spot. Uh, how's, it, how's, it how's it working with the crew? I mean, I take it there's been no crew uh, vacation or time off. They're pretty much stuck on the boat for the foreseeable. Um, are they they're coping okay? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it is a little bit crazy. I mean, everybody is a little bit cooped up. Um, but everybody's in the same position. I mean, we're very lucky being in Kansas that we're able, you know, we're able to exercise, we're able to get off the boat. So it's it's been it's been um, you know for us it's been we've we've we're in a good position. Um, you know, I'm quite sure other 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 boats are are you know far more restricted. Uh, mm. I, I suppose my you know crew vacation. My sympathy yeah, actually, I, my sympathy runs out when I remember you're in Kearns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we're just even now. I'm trying to get a flight out to get back to Canada, and the captain who's in the UK is trying to get flights back here. But it's you know there's so few flights that are flying, and trying to get seats on those flights, even even flying from Cairns in Australia, like Northern Australia, down to down to Sydney, there's only a couple of flights, and all those flights are booked. So like even trying to get on a flight from here to Sydney, you know, there, there's a waiting list right, right, right up until the middle of June. And if I get to Sydney, wow. then what flights are flying? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it might be faster for me to take the boat across the Pacific, 8,000 miles, <laughs> five days, but I'll get there. <laughs> At least you'll be in a forward motion. <laughs> uh, and, and to the owner who's listening, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good way to go. Well, it certainly sounds like if if I was going to travel, um, traveling by sailing boat right now sounds, to be honest, as an experience, a lot more preferable than um, the rigmarole that you will have to go through 
to uh, be able to fly in um, yeah, we're the just, next yeah, few months. Yes. We're just trying to get our daughter home from Ireland and... Yeah, just trying to get... Uh, it's funny, I, you know, I said... Like, she was like, I'm just finding it all very stressful, Mom. And I said, I know, you know, a couple of months ago, it was just booking a flight. Where now, we're checking her residencia, this, we're safe? checking her certificates. We're like, which is the safest way to go? Can you get a direct flight? I wouldn't go through London. You're probably better to go through Germany or France, do you know? And and then she's like, and then I'm when I get to Spain, I'll have to quarantine for two weeks. So if I quarantine at home, everyone will have to quarantine with me. <laughs> um, so it's a whole different experience. And, and she's like, and I, I'm also concerned about sitting on a plane and, you know, breathing the same air as everybody because I'm going to need to wear a mask and use my hand sanitizer and... So um, the simple process of just flying home has just become uh, an extraordinarily bigger mission. And I'm sure anyone planning to try and fly and, you know, in the next little while is going to feel a similar experience of, oh, my goodness, there's just so much more involved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been trying to take book flights all week and every flight that I've come back with has been cancelled or like it's uh, the, the only way I can get back is from Sydney to either through Japan, Hong Kong, San Francisco. But, you know, the flight will come up. That I'm working with a marine travel agent. You know, they'll say, OK, here's the flight. And then they can't book it because it's either booked or the flight's canceled. Or, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's very, very, very difficult. Yeah. And plus, you're going to have to wear a face mask and socially distance for the entire journey as well. Well, yeah, I mean, from what I can see in international travel, I think it's uh, economy seating only and they're splitting everybody up so that you're not, there's no one beside you. And I would imagine there's no service on the aircraft. You get on the plane, you sit down, they probably give you a bag of something and then off you go. And uh, yeah, so that, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the big problem is there's no flights. I mean, I think it's only what, what is it, 10% of the flights are flying yeah. now or not even 10%? I've seen, I've seen some photos of passengers wearing full hazmat suits like a complete body yeah. suit and masks and hoods and and goggles and yeah. everything um, that's gotta be yeah. hot <laughs> that's just gotta, it's just surreal <laughs> i mean can you imagine getting on a plane as you know i was i noticed this um we went downtown yesterday and to to go to the, pick up some things in the shops and everybody's walking around i felt like it's like a community of, of surgeons walking around. Because everybody looks like medical yeah. staff now. They're all wearing, you know, gloved up and they've got the mask. And I feel like I'm living in an episode of ER or one of these, you know. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is absolutely surreal. Yeah. Yeah, I felt out of place because I, I, we only had the one mask. So I was kind of going around like this. <laughs> what a wonderful new world we have. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it does seem like the, uh, you know, that it's going to be a, definitely, I mean, let's hope some positive things come out of this. Mm -hmm. uh, like, does everybody need to drive to work every day to go? I mean, hopefully yeah. this may people make the choice of, well, guess what? I can work at home. And I think there's always been the big discussion. Oh, if you work at home, you're not going to get as much done. I think this mm -hmm. might prove that at home people are actually probably more productive. Well, and I mean, Jack the kids are about, well, it's one thing kids are going to teach your kids at home but are not being able to work but yeah. i mean you know if there's less traffic less people going to the office you know that means 
you know, less polluted. I mean, hopefully there'll be a lot, mm. there'll be some positive things out of this. Jack Dorsey, the owner of uh, Twitter, has just come out to say that, you know, for the future, he doesn't see why all his staff can't work from home. It's like, yeah, you, you, yeah. Don't, you don't need to travel and cause pollution. Stay at home and work. It's working at the moment. We're functioning. Why yeah. change it? And uh, I, I think the um, other big thing that uh, you yeah. probably felt, as we all have, has been um, how lovely it is to connect with people face to face. You know, I, I have spent a lot more time on the phone or talking to people face to face in the past two months. On Zoom, you mean? Uh, on Zoom or, or Skype <clears throat> than writing emails. Do you know, it seems as, uh, all of a sudden we've kind of rediscovered how to communicate better or just maybe communicate more, you know, both on a personal yes. level. You know, I've caught up with friends I haven't, I haven't seen or talked to in an eon and on a professional level, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot more friends in the industry and professionals over the past two months. And again, you know, on, on a platform like zoom where it's you because, can still see people. That's because people are starved of their normal contact. So now they're hungry for any contact they can get. So that's why we're getting more well, video. There's, there's that. But if we end up working from home, it'll continue that we'll kind of need you know, face-to-face -face contact. Probably get ourselves an emotional yeah, support. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess, working on a boat. Mm -hmm. You know, being, I think, from, from, from a yacht, uh, you know, captain's perspective, we are always in a remote location and we're always working off out of a, you know, on a satellite connection, remote, talking to everybody. So, I mean, our world, not much has changed, you know, mm -hmm. being, you know, it's not like we're in an office where you walk out, get a coffee, come back, you know, pick up the phone, dial somebody. So, you know, I think the whole world, if it could be a better place if people realize, guess what, you know, we can work from home and, and we can be productive and let's not go to the office and let's, you know, be better to the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, personally, I'm loving it. <clears throat> I got lots of work done. So. Yeah. Well, the other thing, it's uh, I had a very interesting, uh, where, where we live up at Silver Star Mountain up in British Columbia, um, it's, you know, everybody's into cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, mountain biking, so very active, very fit people. And of course, the lack, you know, the, this, the lockdown, everyone's stuck at home and, uh, you know, and you see it like here in Cannes, you see like people out running and jogging and biking you who probably were never, they never jogged or biked before, they're lifting weights in their yard. Mm. So, um, you know, one of, one of the comments I got from my neighbors, he, she said, well, you can either come out of this isolation a hunk a chunk or a drunk <laughs> you've got you're gonna either work your workout you know or, or you're gonna eat yourself or you know yeah you're gonna you're gonna be drinking wine with breakfast in the morning you know well i've uh, i've actually st i've stopped smoking since uh, we've been on lockdown yeah. um congratulations I, I have actually taken out the weights from the storage room i dusted them off um, nice. um, I've been doing a, a probably more exercise than I've done in a long time. And I'm feeling I think particularly once we adults were allowed, we were fortunate we had a dog, so we had the excuse of getting out. But um, certainly uh, now that they are allowing, you know, adults to exercise as of last week, you know, at eight o'clock, our local park is so full of people <laughs> exercising. And I'm pretty sure, you know, three months ago, they wouldn't have been as intent of getting out and exercising as they are now after, you know, two months of locked in. Okay, time for a walk. Great. <laughs>
Yeah, that's no, it's fantastic, and I think it's good. Maybe people will actually maybe take on a little healthier lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I see it here in Kansas. You know, we 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 go out and we're biking, and the crew are all very active. And two of the crew members have quit smoking. That's a good thing. Okay. So uh, a lot of positive things. Yeah, it certainly is, mm. and a lovely chance to catch up with old friends like yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, let's let's not leave it for three more years. Okay, well. <laughs> If I ever get a chance to come back to Mallorca, well, first I got to get out of, I got to get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, please keep us uh, updated as yeah. as plans evolve. I'd love to hear the next chapter of <laughs> of this adventure. And uh, thank you so yes, much well. for joining us today. Um, it was great to hear the, you know, real life experience of um, traveling the Pacific during lockdown. Yeah. And well, well done for just getting out and in at the, at the right time. Good captaining. I don't know. Oh if you yeah, can we use got in under the wire. Yeah, we made it here. We made it here. You know, we made it here just on. Uh, very, very lucky to be here and very happy to be here and very grateful from the support we've had from everyone that you know helped us to get here. So. Yeah. Well, both um, Mr. Fang and Carrie Carter have been guests on the station, so they were names I recognized as well. Oh, fantastic. And. Uh, nice. Fantastic, fantastic support when you're yep. in that part of the world. That's just what you need. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Captain Guy. Great to Guy see you. Guy Frazier, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a pleasure to have you back on air and not quite in the station virtually with us. And as they say, fair winds and safe travels from here on in, however you proceed in the next little while. You have been listening thank to Art Radio. Thank you for joining us. Super Yacht Radio, making you feel good all day long. long.